I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm just like, <laughs> they're running away from me. Swim away, swim away. I'm sorry. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139. Psalm chapter 139. We are going to be completing this chapter this morning. It's taken us a year, although I didn't speak every Sunday. <laughs> Psalm 139, when you get there, go ahead and stand in honor of God's, God's word, inspired, inerrant, and infallible word. <clears throat> Psalm 139, <clears throat> beginning with verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God, depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me the everlasting way. Let's pray. Father, I pray as we go through this text, God, that you will be glorified and that your people will apply this to our lives. Your name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> just in case you're wondering, the student we just got back from camp and our, some of our students said, Brother Lee, you must wear your camp t-shirt. I said, okay. So that's why I'm up here like this. It doesn't happen all the time, you know. But uh, the passage that we're going to deal with today, a lot of people may have had problems with, and maybe as we were reading, you probably saw some words that, ooh. And so we'll go through that. And, uh, but I want to, you know, there's this question out there that goes, I think, is stirred in each of our minds. And it's, where was God when? You ever ask that question? And, and you fill in the blank what goes on after that. But where was God when this happened in my life? Where was God when that happened in my life? The loss of a loved one. Problems in your family. You lose a job. Your kids go haywire. You just don't think that you can make it. God, where are you? Now, I don't know about you, but that's the question that has often filled my mind. And if I dwell on it, it leads me further than God rather than closer to Him in my search to know Him. Because a lot of times, if you will, we, we talked about this a little bit last week, that I rely on my own thinking. And I don't line up what my thoughts are according to Scripture, which is my authority. And so when things like, things bad happen, in, well, let me do this. Things bad happen in my life, I want to question the presence of God. In fact, there's that question. Many atheists try to mock Christianity. It comes down to the teaching of the problem of evil. Where did evil come from? 
Questions like, how can an all-powerful God allow evil to happen? Or whatever frustrations are going on in your life. How can an all-knowing God allow this to happen? Couldn't he have prevented it if he knew that it was going to happen? How can an ever-present God allow this to happen? Just to stand around and let this horrific thing happen. And then we're going to address today is, how can an all-good God allow this to happen? These questions are thrown at Christianity because of who is at the root of Christianity, which is God the Creator. And we have to be careful when we start blaming God for things. God is not the author of evil. I'm not here to do a whole study of evil but uh, hopefully if you'll start joining us on Wednesday nights, we'll start going through issues like that. But why do bad things happen to good people? I would say if this question goes on in your mind, or that you ask yourself this, you need to stop and reverse that question and ask yourself this, why do good things happen to bad people? Have you ever thought about that? The Bible says that each one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That we're born in sin. We are born naturally saying no to God. We are separated from Him. So the Bible says that we are naturally bad. Or if we'll get a little technical, we don't like this word, but we'll use it. We are sinful people. So the fact that you are even breathing here, the fact that you even have clothes on your back, the fact that you're even sitting on a cushioned pew, the fact that you're even hearing me, that you can even see me, that you can even speak, that you can even breathe, is a good thing that God has given you. We were talking in brotherhood this morning. It was kind of, it's kind of funny how things match up, but that we tend to focus on the negative. Woe is me. Woe is me. See, if we think, we have this thinking that why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? It comes from, it's unbiblical, but it comes from a mindset that man, mankind, you and I, deserve better. Now, the biblical thought, which we just addressed, is that we're born in sin. Why do bad things happen? I mean, why do good things happen to bad people? That mindset is that mankind deserves worse. You know, if you're a child of God, the very fact that you have been rescued from hell, that's good. So anything on top of that is like a cherry on top. I'm not going to say whipped cream because I can't eat whipped cream, all right? It's icing on the cake, sugar icing, but... But do you see, I mean, why is it that we focus so much on ourselves? Now, if you have been here when we've addressed these other uh, passages in Psalm 139, you will see that there's a natural break. Within the 24 uh, verses that are in this chapter, there's a natural break in four sections. Every six verses, it addresses a characteristic of God. The first characteristic that we saw is that God knows everything about you. Everything about the world. 
everything in the past, the present, and the future. God is all-knowing. And you know what this, this whole passage, this whole chapter is saying is that it's addressing the characteristics of God, but it's showing how it applies in your life, your personal life, that God knows every thought that you've had, and He still loves you. That's good. That, okay, we can end right now. Amen, let's rejoice. Have you ever had a, an evil thought towards somebody? And God still loves you. And God wants to forgive you. But you have to come to him in that. <clears throat> the second set of six verses deals with God's omnipresence. That God is everywhere at all times. You're important because God is with you. You ever sinned before? Okay, everybody say yes. <laughs> You have skeletons in your closet. You have things that you've done in secret, in secret, where nobody else in this world would ever know. But God does. He knows. He not only knows, but He's right there. And He's present when we sin. That ought to change our thinking about sin, wouldn't it? That the Creator of the universe is sitting right there. And if you're a Christian, he's in you when we decide to sin. Man, that'll rock your world. The second or the third set deals with God's omnipotence, that he is all-powerful at all times. And that we saw within the text that he created you, he formed you, even uh, he knew about you even before you were born, but as you were conceived, he started, he, uh, and, uh, he started forming you and shaping you into who you are. You ain't like me. Now, I'm going to say praise hallelujah to that, right? Okay, I'll say it. It's a good thing that you're not like me. You're a wicked man. But that God has the power... <clears throat> To do anything that he pleases. That does not contradict his character. And it naturally leads into this next section that we're going to talk about. Is that God is good. And so what we have to understand. There's a natural flow. That God is not a deistic God that says. I'm going to create you and then I'm going to leave you alone. I'm not going to be involved in your life. He is. He knows about you. He's going to be involved in your life. And in fact, he's going to be involved in your life to the, to the very effect that everything in your life happens for a reason that God is ultimately trying to do things in your life to bring glory to his name. Now, if you're a Christian, he's going to bring things that are going to mold and shape you so that you will know him better. If you're not a Christian in here, if you've never given your life to Christ, he's doing things in your life so that you may know him. That's even with the bad things. You see, I believe it's like this. In God's eyes, there's nothing bad. There's no bad thing. Well, there's definitely no bad things that he does. 
And if he's in control, that means the situations in your life, he is allowing to happen. You ever thought about that? And so if you're going to get to know God better through the circumstances in your life, then it's good. No matter how we would define it, whether we would define it as good or bad. Do you think, I'll explain uh, a, a situation, but do you think that Jim Elliott, who was a missionary to the Alka Indians in Ecuador, he and four other missionaries were killed by the Alka Indians on contact when they con contacted them and tried to share Jesus with them. The, the, if you've seen The End of the Spear, the movie that, that explains it very well of what happened. If you have not seen it, you need to see it, if you're, uh, well, whether you're a believer or not. It'll explain uh, the cost of following Christ. But the Indians, they come out and ultimately kill those five missionaries. And we would look at that as a bad thing happened. In fact, the news spread once the, once the United States found out about it. The news, it was all over the news. In the newspapers. And everybody said that this was this terrible thing. And then El, um, Elizabeth Elliot if you haven't read her book, Through the Gates of Splendor, um, it, she mentions in this book that while other people saw this as a bad thing, I see it as a good thing. Now, I'll miss my husband, she says, and I'm paraphrasing what she said. I'll miss my husband, but I know that it was because of my husband's death and those other men's death that the gospel was able to go to these Indians. And Ecuador was able to hear about Christ. We must have this view in our lives that God is doing something in our life. If there's difficulty in our life, he's doing something to try to either draw you to himself or to draw others to himself. And that may mean death for you. I, I don't want to think about this, but here you go. The Stacy family may not come back. Jason's one of my best friends. And that's hard to say. But you know what? If he gets martyred for Christ, praise hallelujah. If people come to know Christ through his death, praise God. If people come to Christ through your death, praise God. Even though they're in India, God can still use you here through obedience to his word. And God may decide to take your life for his glory. Are you okay with that? Because here's what's going on with David's life. He's writing this and he's given all these characteristics of God. He knows that God knows everything. He knows that God is with him. And he knows that God is all powerful and they can do all things. And then he comes to this situation in his life where there's enemy, the, the enemies are coming up against him. And he does not know what to do. I mean, when's the last time you had somebody that wanted to kill you? You know, we think we got it bad. God is working things out in your life for his good purpose, for you to know him, for you to grow, and for you to show him. 
And so there's two things that we're going to see, two ways that we can respond to his goodness. And, and the first thing we're going to look at in verse 19 is avoid being influenced by those who hate God. Avoid being influenced by those who hate God. We don't like this, okay? And we're going to take a look at what David is saying here. Look at verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, God, depart from, uh, oh God, depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Here's what the thought is. Here's what's going on with this. Is that David, he does not want to take matters into his own hands. He wants God to ultimately deal with the problem, with those who are causing problems for him. Now, this is big. Because let me ask you something. Jimmy, I'm going to ask you a question. I know that you're going to give me an honest answer. Jimmy, somebody comes up to you and starts talking junk about your wife or about you. And they just decide to tap you on the cheek hard. What's your first thought of what you want to do to them? <laughs> do you see the honesty there? Now, how many of you would raise your hand and say, that's the first thing that I would do? Okay? At least we're honest. It's good when we're honest with each other, right? Man, I want to drive my fist right through their face. Now, I may look like a little man, but, you know, hey, give me a little bit of credit now. We had a wrestling match the last night of camp, and uh, it was kind of cool. Um, we, we, we proved our manhood, you know, through, uh, I didn't wrestle the big boys, though. I stayed in my own weight class. <laughs> uh, well, one of them was a little lower than my weight class, but he started talking junk. He said, come on, Cletus. You know, no, I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But I know that when something happens to me, when somebody does not like me, the natural thing for me to do is to retaliate against them. When somebody says something evil to me, the natural thing for me to do is to retaliate with other words. To talk junk to them. To tell them, your mama, you know? Um, and to just drive it in. To, get, to be one up on these people. And David has the same thoughts. But what he's doing is he's going to who God is. And he's saying, God, I'm having these natural thoughts that want to retaliate and attack these people. But I'm asking you to deal with them. Because when I deal with them, it comes out wrong. There's a couple of things that happen when we try to deal with things in our own way. We try to change people, right? It never works. You cannot change anybody. Only God can. doesn't matter what you say. God's the one that changes the heart. And then when you retaliate or you try to deal with things in your life, guess whose testimony ends up getting tormented? Is yours or gets pulled down? Is your testimony. When you act a fool and you retaliate, guess who's also watching you? The lost world and God. And, and is, his, his, is his name being magnified? but the way that you're reacting. Well, I think that's the trouble is we react. 
We don't act. We react. We're not prepared. And so we're not, we're not focused on God's word and, and the leading of his spirit of, of these opportunities that are coming in. Or we're not alert to the enemy's attack. And so when we're getting attacked, we react. And we react in the flesh. He says that they speak against God. Wicked people reveal their wickedness through their tongue. Now y'all may be saying, you know what, Brother Lee? I've never seen a wicked person as far as that wants to kill me. But you know what? My brothers and sisters, there's wickedness that goes on in this place right here. We treat our brothers and sisters like mess we talk about them we have hatred thoughts towards them is that sinful is that sinful yes then why don't we deal with it if i've got a problem with gracie guess who i need to go to gracie by myself well since there's a i'm a male and she's a female and i'm married then I'm going to take my wife with, it, with me and deal with this problem that I've got. And I'm not doing this. I'm not, Gracie, you did this to me. Who gives a rip? What I should be doing is say, Gracie, I know this happened between us and I've had some evil thoughts, some anger and some hatred towards you and I want to ask your forgiveness because I know I'm in the wrong. It doesn't matter what they do to you, okay? Remember, God's in control. And he's allowing things to happen in your life so that you can learn something about Him and you can go to Him. How many of you have difficult people in your lives? Okay, all of you raised it because you have me in your life, right? <laughs> so God's placed me in your life for a reason. Amen or oh my? A little bit of honesty. Here we go, all right? But they hate God. We think that the people that hate God are those, uh, those out there proclaiming to be atheists that are out on the news and saying there is no God. Now they are. But those that hate God are those that rely on themselves. They take God's word, they never get into it, and they rely on their own thinking. That's saying, I hate you, God, I don't want to depend on you. Uh-oh. Oh, no, you didn't, Brother Lee. Yeah, that's what that means. And these people are out there trying to do things in their own strength, trying to do things with their own motives, trying to do things in, for, for their own gain. And we have to be aware of this. You know what? It's not people we're against, though. Right? I mean, we know this. Ephesians 6. That all, we have a warfare. If you're a believer in Christ, you have a, you're in war. You are a soldier. Now, imagine yourself as a soldier. Once you've got that in the picture, that you've got this nice little outfit on and stuff with armor and everything, keep it there. Don't ever forget it. Because I've seen something in this last year with our church, with many people in this church. Specifically the, the students, but you too, adults. 
you do this. I'm going to stand and I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to represent Him to my school, to my work, to my family. You bow up. Because you'll do it in here. And then what happens is you walk out those doors and you don't realize who else heard that. Not only did you hear that or the people, not only did God hear it, but Satan heard it too. He says, oh, you want to throw down there? Okay. All right. We'll see what you got. And then there's an onslaught of doubt and, and deceitfulness that comes on where, we, where we, we get too lazy and we don't want to wake up to do a quiet time. We don't want to spend time with God because we're too tired. We've been up all night. We don't want to come to church because we'd rather be on vacation. And we wonder why our lives are like this. Do you hear me? But are you listening? Because that's the key. We wonder why all, why all these things happen in us. And I'm saying, buck up. You've got the Spirit of God that lives within you. You've got the power to overcome sin, to overcome temptation. And you want to tell me that you don't want to use it? Brother Lee, I'm so tired. I've been working so hard. Well, guess what? Work's an act of God. I was up late too last night. I was up early this morning. Don't throw excuses at me. Now I'm nobody good because I struggle as well. I struggle with getting in my quiet time, okay? So don't think I'm saying I'm perfect. But I'm here to tell you, man, I'm, let's get over these excuses. But God, but God, but God. I know you're going to get mad at me for this, but you know what comes out of butts? Okay, you got that? That's exactly what God sees as our excuse. So what if Dan Main is not the pastor of this church anymore? What excuse have you got to God? Jesus Christ is Lord of all. If you're a believer in Christ, He's Lord over your life, whether there's a man standing in this pulpit or not. So get over it, and let's move forward. You hear me? But you ain't listening, because we keep complaining. And this passage is not telling us to go out and hate people. Okay? Because ultimately, we don't know where people are at with Jesus, okay? If they're going to accept Christ or not. Because there's people that you know that are just outright rebellious against God right now, but while they still have breath in their lungs, there's still hope. There's still hope. Isn't that good? Man, I, I'm glad that God didn't give up on me when I was 15 years old, when I was 19 years old, when I'm 34 years old. I'm glad. And we shouldn't give up on people. Some of you parents, you're struggling over your teenagers. I'm struggling over them too. But you know what? Don't give up. Keep praying for them. 
They may not come to Christ because of their decision, and we have to be okay with that in the long run. But while they have breath in their lungs, there's still a shot. Amen? And we should keep praying, and we should keep pouring the, the Word of God in their lives. And those co-workers that you deal with that are so difficult, that just mock you for being in Christ, guess what? There's still hope. There's still hope for them. They may, they, look, they may speak against God. They may mock Him, His name. They, say, they may say OMG all the time or GD all the time. But there's still hope. And even David right here is not writing them off. In fact, he's saying, I'm giving them to you, God. You deal with them how you want to deal with them, and I'll be happy with that. And I hope that you learned in your quiet time this week that not only does God bring difficult times in your life to bring you to repentance, but God brings blessings and good things into your life to bring you to repentance. So God is using all these things to bring us and draw us to Him. And I'm here to ask you, think in your life, what are these things in your life that God is using, that you know that God is using, you, using to draw you to Him? God popped something in your mind just then. The fact that you can go, God's trying to draw you to Him. And the same thing's going on with these people. He says, and, and he says, depart, to get away from me. I cannot hang out with you anymore. David is distancing himself from these people. Why? Is it because he's so holier than thou? No. It's because David understands he's a weak man too. And if he continues to hang out with these people that constantly, constantly mock God and don't want anything to do with God, he knows that he can be influenced by that. Now hear me. Hear me, hear me clearly. I am not saying to never hang out with lost people. I am saying that if your testimony is affected by hanging out with lost people, then you don't need to hang out with them, okay? Because there, how many of you had a crew that you went around with when you were younger? Or you still have a crew that you, went, you go around now and that, these people you know or you come, you come to a part in your life where you come to Christ. And you start living the values of God's word in your life. And you tell them about it. You say, hey, look, I met Jesus. He's changing my life. How about you give your life to him? Nah, man. Jesus is for wusses. You know, I don't want anything to do with that. Nah, man. I'm too good for Jesus. You know, and, they, and they, they mock you. And there starts to be a separation right there. Does that mean that you don't love them? No, I hate sin. And I want to stay as far away from sin as I can. This does not mean that you isolate yourself from people that are, don't know Jesus. It does mean this, that you're not influenced by them, that you are the one influencing them towards Christ, not them influencing you towards the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be by the so that you may prove the will of God is good, acceptable, and pleasing.
Romans 12, 14. Begin with verse 14. Go there. Go to Romans 12. You're gonna, we're going to read this and just see. I, I was not going to put the whole passage up on the PowerPoint, so you'll have to turn there. What a good reason to have your Bibles. And you're there, amen. Say amen. Ah, oh, y'all beat me. Verse 14, it says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Hmm. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And then it goes on uh, from there. And so we see here that even Paul in the New Testament shows us that we should not uh, take revenge over anybody. Jesus says it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. To not to bless those who, who curse you and pray for those who, who seek your life. And, and so, as a Christian, those who come up against me, there was one man, I'm going to tell you one man. His name was Phil. I'm not going to tell you his last name. Uh, I hope that he comes to Christ. But um, I, when I was doing sheet metal work, right before I came to, uh, came to Hell's Chapel, I worked there for seven years and um, was welding, fabricating sheet metal. And there was a guy that was, uh, he was one of the managers. He wasn't over me, but I had a lot of interaction with him. And um, he, uh, I guess, let's just put it in easy terms. He was a player. <laughs> um, he liked taking advantage over women. And uh, at the time, I'm praying that he, he got saved. But uh, he would always come in um, into our lunch area when we had lunch or even when I, I saw him every time it was almost every time I saw him he would say uh, Lee did you get anything this weekend and referring to uh, having sex with women uh, did you do anything this weekend constantly constantly and this was before I was married and so I was a single man and um, already enough struggle as it is being a single man trying to live a godly life at the age of 27 um, and he he found out that I was a virgin uh, and that uh, he is almost like he, he pursued it. He pursued me in that constantly saying, you know, things like that, ungodly things. And and I, I you know, of course, I would say, man, I'm not into that. Uh, Jesus saved me and, and I want to live a life pleasing to him. And so, uh, no, <laughs> you know, and it's probably about the next year. I mean, this continue to go on and. Um, the next year, he comes up to me, and, uh, well, I meet him in the bathroom. I guess you got some good talk in the bathroom. But um, I meet him in the bathroom. He's washing his hands. We're both washing our hands, and we're about to head out. And uh, I said, Phil, how you doing? He says, I I'm not doing too good. Uh, my girlfriend, the, the girl that he was uh, living with at the time, um, was sick. She was in the hospital, and she had something serious going on. I don't remember what it was uh, in particular, but... Uh, I do remember this. He said, Lee, can you pray for her?
Do you see the impact that we have on people's lives when we're trying to be obedient to the Lord? I don't know where Phil is right now, where he is with the Lord. Don't know. But I don't want to be a hindrance to him coming to know Christ with the way that I live my life. I could have retaliated. Shut up. I could have. But what good would that have done? It would have hindered the testimony of Christ, right? So when attacks start happening in your family, I mean, hey, look, your family doesn't get along all the time, do they? Okay, well, understand where the attack's coming from. Satan does not want the family to be unified. He does not want this church to be unified. He does not want you to live a godly testimony before a lost world. So he's going to use people that are going to let him use him, them to cause you to fall. Now, I don't mean this. You go around and saying, Jeremy, you're Satan-led. You know, I'm not, if we have a conflict. You were used by Satan today, Jeremy. Yeah, no. All right, because you were just used by Satan, <laughs> you know? I mean, really. But here's what I'm saying is be aware. Be alert. How would you do if you're a soldier and you're sleeping on duty? When you know you're at war and you're sleeping out on the battlefield, how would you, how would that carry out for you? Not too good. Well, guess what? You're at war. If you're a Christian, you're at war. If you're not a Christian, you're in slavery. You're locked up in sin. You need to be rescued by Jesus. Treat sin as God treats us. He hates. It's a perfect hatred. There's such thing as a holy hatred. Hate the sin, love the sinner. This gets us in trouble. Now, it's a true. God hates sin, and he loves the sinner. But here's where we mess up with this is we we say that but we excuse the sin oh i love you brother and we never address the sin we must address sin we must deal with sin not only in our personal life but look as a congregation as an assembly that god has got you in this area as a church we must deal with sin if we do not deal with sin in this place or in this body let me just say that the lost world looks at you and say, ha, 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 you're just like me. Why do I need Jesus? I'm living the same way you are. We must deal with sin because God hates sin. James 4.4 4 says this, you adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's two slides up, guys. And in 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's true. But you also have to realize your, cat, your kid is bad because he's bad, not just because he hangs out with bad people. She's bad because she's bad, not because she hangs out with bad people. You're bad because you're bad, not because you hang out with bad people. You need Jesus just like I need Jesus. We all need Jesus. How about let's just get on the same boat and get Jesus? Can't we all just get along? Yeah, in Christ we can. 
Look at verse 23. Allow God to investigate all of you. Look at what he says. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And so what he's saying here is he's saying, okay, God, I understand there's people that don't like you, that don't love you, they hate you, they want to openly mock you before all. I do understand that. And, and here's what I also understand, God, is that I'm a weak and fallible man that I mess up too. There's problems within my own life. And here's what I want you to do, God. I want you to look into my life, look into my mind, check out my heart, check out my actions, and see if they honor you. And if they do not, I want you to deal with me so that I can get it right. How many of you would pray that prayer? You don't have to raise your hand, but think about that. And I would say not many of us, because we like me. We like ourselves. I like me. And I don't like for me to be dealt with. But you know what? If you're a Christian, then you're going to allow God to deal with you. I, just, I think that would start showing people who, if, if they're not a Christian or not. Because when God's word starts coming into your life and you allow God to deal with you and the closer that you get to him in fellowship and that you're spending time with him, the more he's going to show you in your life who you are and why you need him. And I think that's good. I think this is probably why many of us don't spend time in God's word. We don't know, we don't want to know how wicked we are. We don't want to come to that truth. I am a wicked man. Without Jesus Christ in my life, I would curse all of you. Pastor. Well, get, get over that. It's the truth. And guess what? Without Jesus Christ in your life, you would do the same to me. Because one of us is going to have to give if we're going to make this relationship between us work. In fact, both of us are going to have to give. We don't like that. And then you start looking at me and you start praying, praying the prayer of 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Brotherly. <laughs> now, we may not say that. But when you don't like something that I do, those are the thoughts that you have. Because guess what? They're the thoughts that I have. They're natural thoughts. But the natural never pleases God. So if Jim does something to me, oh, I cannot believe Jim did that to me. I cannot believe Jim... Although he, knew, he knows that I am a state fan, he would wear a, a blue shirt like that. I cannot believe it. Oh, sorry, Gary. Yeah, I would go, because I know you're Carolina. <laughs> and I start having these evil thoughts about him. Because they're natural. And where does that lead? The next Sunday, I'm, well, I am wearing a red shirt. Next Sunday, I'm going to make sure he sees my shirt. Now, I know he's a state fan. That was not a Carolina thing, all right? So 
and this is not a state Carolina. I'm just using it as a stupid example to show you how evil we are in our thoughts. We get ticked off of people just because they, they talk against the team that we pull for. Isn't that funny? Something so small. Y'all lost all y'all's games. You know? <laughs> Wait till football season. You know? <laughs> yes, it's something I use all the time. <laughs> all right. Search me to, means to explore, and it's interesting that verse 23, the, verse 23 and 24 are like a bookends. You see, search me at, at, at verse 1, where you ask God to search his heart, and now he, he says to keep going. Keep going, Lord. Keep searching me out. Search my heart. And how can we know this? It, David's asking the great physician, God, to inspect him and see if there's any sinful ailments in him that need to be dealt with, that God is the doctor. And, and you know what? The doctor is not the church. Okay? It's the word of God. Look at Hebrews 4.12. I think I have that up there. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Okay? Piercing as far as the, the division of the soul and spirit and of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's a lot that the Word of God shows us about, right? Here's the interesting thing about the word sword, okay? There's two uses for this word. <clears throat> the one is uh, it's a Roman sword, uh, and I can't remember how to pronounce the actual word, but it's a Roman sword. It's short, and it's able, that's the Roman soldier used that in, in war. Here's the other word picture we get to it. It's a scalpel. You see that it applies? It cuts right on in. And it keeps going in. It goes to the deepest parts of who we are. The Word of God does that. So get into the Word of God. Prayer and Bible study. Prayer and Bible study. Prayer and Bible study. Prayer and Bible study. And he says, my mind too. Do not. He says, try me and know me. These anxious thoughts that I have. The anxious thoughts are like when, when something happens to me that I want to retaliate. The first thought that comes to my mind is to do that. He says, to try those thoughts, Lord, to search them out, search my heart, the motives that I have, and to deal with it. And then what does he say? We need God's guidance to lead me in the everlasting way. Do you want to be led by God? Then get into his word. Seek his word. With all that you are, to study, to show yourself approved to God as a workmanship, correctly dividing and handling the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 Romans 8 says this, and we know this. And we know that God causes all things to work to together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. Genesis 50.20 As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. The difficult people that you deal with in your life, God has placed you there to be an example to them of who Christ is. Now, how many people loved Jesus when he was here? Not too many people. In fact, they tried to kill him. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to live a life like me. 
2 Timothy 3.12 says, For all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. So the reason why we may not be persecuted is because our mouths are shut and we're not living a life of holiness. Could be. Not could be, it is. When's the last time you shared Christ with somebody? And they didn't like you. (laughs) Look, we're about to go into a time of invitation and, and, uh, and you're here. Some of you know Christ, some of you don't. If you know Christ and you need to deal with some anger and malice in your heart, you can do that. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, know this. Today is the day of salvation. If you have breath in your lungs, there's still hope for you. And Christ wants to rescue you from you. Because you have a problem and it's you. I have a problem and it's me. We must give our lives to Christ. Because that's only fulfilled life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. As we go into this time, I pray, God, that you will be glorified and will deal with who we are in your name. And if you'll stand, the heads bowed and eyes closed as trillion will come. If you need to deal with some sin, come forward. It's fine. You don't have to.